Welcome to the Lexington Public Library's Tales from the Kentucky Room podcast, where we discuss everything Lexington and Fayette County history. I'm Miriam, and in each episode of this podcast, we will feature a guest that will share a piece of local history. So thank you for tuning in and enjoy. Good day, everyone. Thank you for joining us. So today we're going to be discussing famous duels here in Kentucky with Wayne Johnson. Wayne is one of the librarians here, and he's been a librarian for the Lexington Public Library for, you've been here since the beginning, haven't you? Well, I've been here. Central Library, at least. (laughs) Well, I've been here 27 plus years. Oh, wow. Okay. That's awesome. So today we're going to be discussing, like I said, famous duels in Kentucky. So take it away, Wayne. Okay. Well, (laughs) Dueling was a a common practice in the early and mid-19th century in a lot of states. Mm -hmm. It was especially popular in the South, including Kentucky. It was a method used by honorable men when one or both felt insulted by the actions or words of the other. Mm -hmm. There were numerous reasons why a duel was fought. Chief among them were political differences. Mm -hmm. A lot of these duels were uh, between political rivals Mm-hmm. Um, so some people from the higher, I guess, echelon of the of society. <laughs> yes, uh, they would give their political views, and if they didn't agree, sometimes words would be exchanged, mm-hmm. and uh, dueling was a method to uh, to uh, take care of this. Uh, good thing we don't, we don't have this uh, in place today. Now we have Twitter now. Uh, we have Twitter now. Uh, another reason for duels would be affairs of the heart, you know, mm-hmm. jealousy. Yeah. And then just plain old insults and threats, just like B.J. Thomas's song would say, somebody done, somebody wrong. So. <laughs> Honorable men could not and would not let things impugn their standing in the community. And to refuse to duel or to put up with insults would be seen as a supreme act of being a coward. Under the unwritten code of duels, personal differences could be settled through duels, and they were usually with pistols. A gentleman of this period could demand satisfaction from another gentleman for any grievance, real or imagined, mm-hmm. on the field of honor. Anyone refusing a challenge ran the risk of being seen as a coward, and they were shamed in the community. Duels were conducted according to a simple tradition. The aggrieved party, the person who was insulted, would send a challenge note in writing to a friend, usually what was called a second, mm-hmm to the challenge party's second. And usually a formal statement of conditions of the affairs of the duel would be stated. Duels were only conducted by gentlemen of the higher social standing. A duel with someone of a so-called lower social standing would not happen. Mm. Street fights and bar fights, et cetera, were handled. (laughs) Yeah, took care of all that. Usually duels began, or or the start of the insults Mm -hmm. were usually when... Uh, guys had too much to drink. Probably, and yeah. And they'd usual. be playing poker <laughs> yeah. or what have you. And so you you said that it was done by writing only, so it wasn't like a verbal challenge or. No, it it mm. there there were these codes that they had mm. to follow. So if you felt insulted, you would go back to your uh, mm-hmm. friend, and your friend would write up a challenge. Mm-hmm. To the person that did the insulting. Yeah. So the ten rule commandments of the duels actually existed. Yes. I had to make a Hamilton reference. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, Hamilton is one of the uh, famous duels. <laughs> of course, yeah. Uh, but the duels were handled according to what was called the code duello. Mm-hmm. And the code had elaborate rules. You had an appointment of seconds and physicians. Mm-hmm. Each duelist would bring a second to the duel and a physician. The challenged party 
would have the right to select the weapons yeah. and the location of the duels. So it was a kind of a competitive. Almost um, a sport. Almost a sport. And, wow. and to use uh, basketball terminology in today's basketball world, a good shooter would be considered a one and done. Mm. <laughs> Back then, in the dueling terms, a bad shooter would be considered a one and done. Oh, my goodness. Now, in 1858, the rules were written up by a gentleman by the name of John Wilson, Mm. and it was called the Code of Honor or Rules for the Government of Principles and Seconds in Dueling. And this was really an elaborate code of honor, Mm -hmm. and the duelists were expected to follow this code when a duel took place. And dealt with what principles had to do during the duel, what the physicians had to do, dealt with the selection of weapons and the location and so forth. So it's a pretty interesting code. And you can find it in a book by J. Winston Coleman, Jr., a famous Mm -hmm. Lexington historian. He wrote a book on famous Kentucky duels. Mm -hmm. And in the back of the book... All these rules are, are listed, and it's pretty interesting reading. Now, before these written rules were put into place, right before the Civil War, the code was still in place. It was just unwritten. Yeah. That most of the participants knew what was expected. Dueling really got its start in the late 1700s mm-hmm. and lasted through when the Civil War ended. Yeah. It was a tradition of 70-plus years. Now, this was all legal at the time or illegal? Well, according to Kentucky state statutes, Mm -hmm. it wasn't considered legal, but they turned... Turned a blind eye. (laughs) They they sure did. There was state statutes passed where a a fine could be imposed, Mm -hmm. or there was a law that stated that if you were caught in a duel or was a participant in Mm -hmm. a duel, either as the shooter or shootee or the second or the physician, Mm -hmm. if you were involved in a duel, you could be uh, kept from holding public office in in the state of Kentucky. Like I said, people kind of turned a blind eye to it. And and sometimes these participants would go across the river, like in Indiana. So out of state. To, okay. to, to have their duel that way. They can say, well, we didn't break the law in the state of Kentucky. But mm-hmm. for the most, p- people just didn't pay attention to mm-hmm. it. Uh, now, by the 1820s, duels became even more lethal as the old delayed firing, often non-firing flintlocks, were replaced by percussion pistols and rifles which fired instantly Mm -hmm. and could be aimed accurately. Like I said, uh, if you're a bad shooter, you're likely to be a one-and-done in duels. Now, two of the most famous American duels were, of course, the Aaron Burr Mm -hmm. and Alexander Hamilton duel of 1804, where Burr shot Hamilton Mm -hmm. death. And then the Andrew Jackson and Charles Dickinson duel Mm -hmm. in Logan County, Kentucky in 1806. Jackson was harassed, I guess you could say, or insulted by Charles Dickinson and challenged Dickinson to a duel. Apparently, Dickinson had been making some comments about Jackson's wife Mm -hmm. and Jackson didn't like that. So they met in a uh, Kentucky County, Logan County in 1806. Dickinson got the first shot off, hit Jackson Mm -hmm. in the stomach or or chest area, but Mm -hmm. but it wasn't a lethal wound. And he didn't even realize he'd hit Jackson. Jackson had a game plan in place where he had told his second, I'm going to let him shoot first Mm -hmm. and then I'm going to take dead aim. 
And sure enough, he did. So how did Dickinson not know that Jackson was shot? How did he not see it? Well, Jackson was a very calculating person. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess that's why he became president <laughs> of the United States. And he, he made a point to wear a real big loose coat and waistcoat. Mm. And one person even described it as looking like a dressing gown, which I don't think Jackson would have appreciated that <laughs> comment. But, you know, the way he was dressed mm -hmm. did a good job of covering up, of covering up and... his body frame. Oh, I see. Okay. Uh, where Dickinson may have thought he had hit him. But the way Jackson was dressed, he, he couldn't tell. Couldn't that, tell. That's okay. why he was shocked. But, yeah, Jackson was very calculating in what he wore. And mm -hmm. I'm sure a lot of other people were, too, where you try to fake out your opponent mm -hmm. and make your target not so obvious. Yeah. He put a lot of thought into that. <laughs> uh, yes, he did. After Jackson was hit... Mm -hmm. And Dickinson didn't realize he was hit. He was he was shocked and mm -hmm. kind of stepped off the area where he was supposed to stand during a duel. Mm -hmm. Another thing to keep in mind in duels, mm -hmm. if you didn't follow the rules, like if you don't stay in your area yeah. or you break any of the rules, you could be executed on the spot, oh, which was really amazing to me. Wow. So Dickinson, he was shocked that he didn't hit or he thought he didn't hit Jackson, kind mm -hmm. of stepped off the area boundary. And then immediately was reminded, hey, get back in mm -hmm. place. And now at this point, some duelist mm -hmm. would show a little bit of goodwill and maybe fire his pistol, pistol into yeah. the air okay. or, or just say, I've been satisfied. Mm -hmm. Let's end the duel. But Jackson, Jackson wasn't made like that. He took dead aim on Dickinson and, and shot oh, him dead. Lord. Jackson was an interesting character. He mm -hmm. was very, I don't want to use the term cold-blooded killer, but... <laughs> You know, when he was in war or duels, mm -hmm. he was there for one reason, and that was to either be killed or kill. Yeah. And that's what he did with Dickinson. So it was not a sport to him. It was serious business. Yeah, well, I'm sure it was serious for, <laughs> for most folks, but he was deadly serious, <clears throat> yeah. so to speak. And he made it a point that even though he was hit to tell his second, because his second noticed blood on his shoes mm -hmm. and looked, looked inside and noticed it. Jackson had been hit, mm -hmm. but Jackson insisted that nobody tell Dickinson because Dickinson still was living even after he shot. Yeah. He lived for a few hours, but he made a point to uh, make sure nobody tells this guy that I was hit because he didn't want to give him the satisfaction. Wow. Up until of, that last breath, he didn't want to even give him that satisfaction. Y yes. Oh. Some of these things could have been prevented yeah. even before, and some were prevented even before they took to the dueling ground. One of the second's responsibilities mm -hmm. was to try to reach a compromise between mm -hmm. the two duelists mm -hmm. to see if, like if there was some solution. Way. Yes. Be, yeah. And there was actually one funny case that I've found in my research. It was in 1792, and mm -hmm. John Thurston and John Harrison both of whom were justices of the peace in Jefferson County, mm -hmm. they quarreled over a 12 and a half cent fee from a court case in which they both had participated and they couldn't agree who would get the 12 and a half cents. <laughs> so a duel was arranged. Wow. They went to the dueling grounds and then the seconds there decided this is absurd to be fighting over 12 fighting cents. <laughs> to the death over 12 and a half cents. So, so they talked to both Thurston and Harrison mm -hmm. And they talked them out of dueling, and they proposed that they have a shooting match instead. And they noticed a tree about 60 yards away, mm -hmm. and they said, well, this would be a good target. And the loser had to buy a gallon of whiskey. And then after the 
so-called duel mm -hmm. had ended, they met up and shared a laugh and a friendly glass of whiskey. Wow. Okay. So, yeah, all over 12 and a half cents. Well, at least it ended well. Yes. Over a few glasses of whiskey. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But unfortunately, not all the duels ended like that. Yeah. Now, Lexington has had its share of participants in famous duels. Henry Clay, the famous statesman, was involved in two duels. Wow. Uh, the one, good old compromiser was, yes, was involved uh, in duels. Wow. Yeah, okay. he, he, he knew how to get insulted or insult <laughs> someone. But Henry Clay and Humphrey Marshall met in 1809. It grew out of a dispute in the Kentucky legislature mm -hmm. after they had a fight on the floor over some legislation. Mm -hmm. And Marshall called Clay a liar, and Clay, of course, couldn't put up with that. So he challenged him. And the duel took place in the shipping port, Indiana, across yeah. the river. And we're not going to break any Kentucky laws. So they met on the dueling grounds. And after a few shots back and forth were exchanged, Clay was shot in the thigh and the second stopped the duel. Thank goodness for Kentucky, because <laughs> Henry Clay had a major uh, influence on, on our state over the yeah. years. So getting him out of those duels safe and sound was a good thing. Mm -hmm. He he was also involved in a duel in 1826 with John Randolph near Washington, D.C. when both were in the Senate. Mm -hmm. Cause of the duel were words spoken by Randolph that insulted Clay, and Clay challenged him, but uh, luckily no one was hurt. Henry Clay, the great compromiser, mm -hmm. was known to participate in duels. Another interesting duel was between two faculty members of the medical school over at Transylvania, Benjamin Dudley and William Richardson. This was in 1818. Okay. And both of these men, like I said, were on the Transylvania medical faculty. And the dispute arose out of an ongoing battle between Dr. Dudley and another doctor on the faculty, Dr. Daniel Drake. Mm -hmm. Dudley challenged Drake to a duel, but Drake was opposed to dueling as a matter of principle. So his friend, uh, Dr. Richardson, who was also on the faculty, accepted the challenge. And the duel took place on the Fayette-Scott County line. Now, Coleman did a really good job describing how this duel went. I'm just going to read you a portion of it, just to give the listeners a good idea of how a duel worked. And this is according to Winston Coleman, Jr. On a warm morning early in August 1818, the dueling doctors... Dudley and Richardson, with their surgeons and attendants and a few close friends, drove out the Georgetown Pike to the favorite dueling grounds of central Kentucky, about six and one-half miles northwest of Lexington on the line of Fayette and Scott counties in the vicinity of the present-day Donorail. Upon arriving at the grounds, each party bowed to the other with code formality while the seconds went about their duties of loading the pistols, measuring the ground, and tossing up a coin for the choice of position and the right to give the word. At length, the adversaries took their stand, facing each other at 10 paces, which is about 30, 30 feet, and fired at command. In a few seconds, the smoke cleared. Dr. Dudley stood untouched. Dr. Richardson staggered and fell. Blood rushed from a serious wound in the groin, which severed the artery. It was evident that Relief must be had speedily or the wounded man would bleed to death. It was further apparent that the efforts of the attending surgeon to arrest the flow of blood with a tourniquet 
were of no avail. Well, at this moment, Dr. Dudley, the man who shot Richardson, stepped forward and offered his medical services to save the life of his <laughs> <Wow>. adversary, <laughs> which was so swiftly ebbing away. By pressing his thumb on the large blood vessel where it passed over the ilium, Dr. Dudley soon had the situation under control. Thus, by the ready skill and magnanimity of Dudley, the life of the challenged man was saved. He, he shot him and then he saved his life. Yes. Okay. And apparently they both went back to the faculty. As if nothing happened. <laughs> yeah, that, those would have been interesting uh, faculty meetings sure. <laughs> over at Transom. <laughs> that, that one, uh, both of them survived. Another famous duel involving Lexingtonians was in 1829 when Charles Trotter and Charles Wycliffe dueled. Mm-hmm. Wycliffe, who was a very avid proponent of slavery, mm-hmm had published an article in the Kentucky Reporter newspaper denouncing Thomas Benning, who at the time was the editor of the Kentucky Gazette. Mm-hmm. The following issue of the Gazette answered Wycliffe's criticism, and Wycliffe did not like the critique, so he rushed to the newspaper office and demanded of Thomas Benning, the editor, he wanted the name of the person who had responded to his newspaper article. Mm-hmm. And they were using pseudonyms. They wouldn't use their real Real names, names. so so it was hard to identify who who had written it. And an argument ensued, and Wycliffe shot Benning to death. It wasn't a duel. He just apparently, Benning had a cane or something Mm -hmm. and tried to ward him off, but Wycliffe just uh, shot him to death. He went to trial, and you figured uh, Mm -hmm. this is a cold-blooded murder. Uh, He'd get convicted. Well, not, not so. He was defended by such notables as Henry Clay and John Crittington. Wow. And the jury was made up of a lot of pro-slavery people. And so, anyway, he went free. George Trotter, who became the editor of the Gazette after Benning was, uh, in their words, assassinated, Mm -hmm. the Gazette had an editorial that insinuated that Wick uh, had cowardly murdered Benning and that the jury was packed and the undue influence of Henry Clay enabled Wycliffe to get uh, get away with together murder. with murder, basically. Well, Wycliffe felt insulted by this editorial, and he challenged Trotter to a duel. And he went to the favorite dueling spot at the Fayette Scott County line. Mm-hmm. This is somewhat uh, near the area of the Kentucky Horse Park, and same location as the Dudley Richardson duel. And it was kind of the go-to place for dueling back in the day. Okay, and. Uh, you know, near the Kentucky Horse Park, the Kentucky Horse Park is known for its Southern Lights display every mm-hmm. year. And I guess back then you could say that that area was known for Southern fights. <laughs> the duel took place and Trotter killed Wycliffe, mm-hmm. which seems kind of a, appropriate since it, since Wycliffe was the one that started everything in the first place. But apparently this this duel had troubled Trotter so much mm-hmm that he eventually suffered some mental illness mm-hmm. and so he uh, felt guilty yes yeah. and then a lot of these a lot of these guys did and mm-hmm. and one part of the code of uh, dueling was if you emerged from these duels as victorious mm-hmm. you're kind of expected to leave your community for a while to mm-hmm. let hard feelings kind of soothe down mm-hmm. but trotter eventually became insane mm-hmm. and so it, it destroyed both men yeah as expected all these 
duels probably ended in some sort of tragedy. Yes. And, you know, by the end of the Civil War, duels were in a decline. I think Mm -hmm. these folks finally decided, hey, this doesn't make any sense to kill each other. Another famous duel in 1866 Mm -hmm. was between Joseph Deshaies and Alexander Kimbrough. They both grew up together in Harrison County, and they were not fond of each other. Mm -hmm. And they had had exchanged words and insults in a Cynthiana hotel, and a fight ensued. And then Kimbrough challenged Deshaies to a duel, and the duel, of course, was held at the Fayette-Scott County line. The hot spot. The hot spot. Mm -hmm. And Deshaies wounded Kimbrough. Both men survived, but that was considered one of the the last duels in Lexington. Now, I know people think the Swope-Goodlow fight was a duel, but not according to the code of duels. Yeah, that kind of happened Uh, on the 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 spur spur of the moment. On the spur of the moment up here at the old post office. They were both political uh, adversaries, Mm -hmm. and they were both picking up their mail at the same time. And uh, one had a knife, the other one had a pistol, and both of them ended up killing each other. And it's probably the most famous fight in the history of Lexington. Yes. But it was a fight. It wasn't considered a duel per se. The dueling issue was a very controversial issue. And in 1849, it was when we had a constitutional convention mm-hmm. in Frankfurt to revise the state constitution. Politicians took up the dueling issue in an attempt to ban the practice in the state of Kentucky. Yeah. Like I said, state statutes were already in place, which prohibited dueling, but they were largely ignored. Well, the constitutional ban did not result but during this convention, but a revision was passed, which required all state officials and lawyers to swear an oath that they had not been involved in a duel. And if you attend any office swearing in mm-hmm. currently, that provision is still in the state constitution. Yeah. And sometimes it'll get a snicker from the crowd. I've attended a few oath of office mm-hmm. ceremonies, and invariably somebody will laugh when, <laughs> when the oath of office is read. But the oath goes like this. It says, and I do further solemnly swear that since the adoption of the present Constitution, I, being a citizen of this state, have not fought a duel with deadly weapons within this state nor out of it. Nor have I sent or accepted a challenge to fight a duel with deadly weapons, nor have I acted as a second in carrying a challenge, nor aided or assisted any person thus offending. So help me God. So it's actually like, well, here in Kentucky or out of state? Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's supposedly out of state, too. Mm-hmm. But anyway, it's in our oath of office. Mm-hmm. So ho- hopefully none of our <laughs> office holders have ever they participated did. or they can, I guess they can be impeached from office. Yeah. You know, in my research here, you know, what I was struck by mm-hmm. with dueling was just the honorable way these folks went into it. It's, mm-hmm. it's like they have this code and this is how mm-hmm. we're going to do it. We're going to issue the challenge and we're going to mm-hmm. meet here and here's the weapons we're going to use. So it was all organized and very honorable. Mm-hmm. At least it's, it, it seemed, seemed, seemed at, at the, the time. time. <laughs> yeah. But in my research, I ran across a comment on dueling by former President U.S. Grant, the famous mm-hmm. Civil War general and then a later president. And he was totally opposed to dueling. 
And in his memoirs, there's a uh, comment he made about dueling. Let me just read it to you, because I think he he showed much wisdom Mm -hmm. in his approach toward dueling. And, of course, U.S. Grant was a pretty powerful man in Mm -hmm. the Union Army and knew about death and that kind of thing. So um, anyway, he said about dueling, he said, I do not believe I ever would have the courage to fight a duel. If any man should wrong me to the extent of my being willing to kill him, I would not be willing to give him the choice of weapons with which it should be done and of the time, place, and distance separating us when I executed him. If I should do another such a wrong as to justify him in killing me, I would make any reasonable atonement within my power if convinced of the wrong done. I place my opposition to dueling on higher grounds than any here stated. No doubt a majority of the duels fought have been for want of moral courage on the part of those engaged to decline. So here here you have U.S. Grant, Mm -hmm. a former U.S. president, opposed to dueling, and Andrew Jackson, another president who Mm -hmm. was a big fan of dueling. And I tend to support U.S. Grant's approach toward not dueling. And mm-hmm. maybe that's the reason why he's on the $50 bill and Jackson's only on the 20 Yeah. <laughs> and Hamilton's only on the 10 <laughs> There you go. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing your research with us about uh, dueling. I'm sure our listeners will find it fascinating. It's certainly interesting, given today's political climate, to kind of know a little more about our history and, and, and that climate and how people decided to solve these differences of opinion. Yeah. But yeah. Thank you so much, Joanne. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Tales from the Kentucky Room, a podcast brought to you by the Central Library's Kentucky Room staff at the Lexington Public Library. If you enjoyed listening, please take a minute to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. If you have any questions about local history or genealogy research, you can visit us in the Kentucky Room to use our collection and newspaper microfilm. Or you can email us at elibrarian at lexpublib.org. That's elibrarian at lexpublib.org. I'm Miriam, and we'll be back with another trip down Lexington's memory lane.